You're listening to Brunch with me, Noreen Mir, on this Wednesday morning. Now, let's turn to our next topic of today. In the next 20 minutes or so, we're talking about prenups or prenuptial agreements. And to talk about this, I'm really delighted to be joined by Jocelyn Cho, who is a lawyer specializing in divorce litigation and matrimonial law. And she's also a partner at Weathers Law Firm here in Hong Kong. Welcome to the program, Jocelyn. Thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for having me, Noreen. We are live this morning uh, on Facebook as well. So I'd love for our listeners to join us there. Uh, Noreen Mayer on RTHK Radio 3. And you can comment and get in touch if you like. Uh, but no free advice. I'm just putting <laughs> it out there. Um, but jokes apart, I'd love for our listeners uh, to, to join us there if you can this morning. Um, so Jocelyn, tell us a little bit. Uh, what exactly is a prenup? So prenuptial contracts are a contract which uh, couples enter into before they get married and it would usually govern their legal rights during marriage and also in the event that um, the marriage ends in a divorce, what would happen in terms of the finances. Yeah, so typically what are some of the key things that are sort of included in a prenuptial agreement? Well, prenuptial agreements mainly are focused on um, sorting out the financial arrangements. So most people would want to consider um, how they want finances to be split uh, in the event of a divorce. Now, there are a few options or a few sorts of prenuptial contracts. Some people would want to have a specified amount. So say where the couple has a huge financial disparity, say a billionaire marrying a model. And it may, <laughs> it may be that um, he would specify in the prenup, if we do get divorced, how much you're going to get or even cap the lump sum that you're going to get. In some um, agreements, they even have it on a gradual scale. So it, after three years of marriage, you get how much. With one more children, you get an extra how much. But I would say that these kind of agreements are not as popular because as you can imagine. It's quite technical and quite Exactly. Detailed. And yeah. also it might put the other person off because it's like, oh, so I'm worth only that much. And if I bear your child, child. yeah, it's um, transactional. Like that yes. would um, inevitably have um, some sort of doubt in the person's mind. So this is not so common. What's most common are two types. One is where the couple's finances are more or less similar. Um, they're both financially independent. Um, and just so they have certainty when it comes to divorce, they want to say that oh, what's yours, yours, and what's mine, mine. Uh, whatever we put in our joint names are going to be shared 50-50, but whatever is under our sole names will not be shared. So there's a very clear understanding. Um, another common type is where uh, there is some sort of financial disparity and where the objective is for the person or both persons to exclude certain assets. So um, it may be that big wealthy families would want to enter in these kind of prenups where they exclude family businesses, um, they may want to exclude inheritance or things that um, the parents or the family have gifted to that person. Like a property, for example. Yes. So the whole object of the prenup is just to identify what would be shared, what would be considered matrimonial assets and what would not be. Wow. But everything else we leave open-ended when it comes, um, we'll, sh we'll share whatever's accumulated during marriage. Yeah. Are uh, prenups quite common here in Hong Kong? It has become increasingly common for the past three years. Interestingly, during the pandemic, um, I've seen both myself and my colleagues have seen a spike in people coming to us uh, for prenuptial agreements as well as postnuptial agreements. And I guess 
probably because um, of the uncertainties that the pandemic has brought us. People want to be able to plan ahead and control what they can. So those are sort of prenup. But those are sort of um, those nuptial agreements um, after marriage. So you draw it yes. up after your marriage. Yes. Okay. So th- it can work retrospectively as well. Um, Post nuptials are not as um, effective as prenups. Uh, usually, we would say the best way is to do a prenup and then do a postnup. So there's a double binding, double lock effect. Um, but if the couple has not done a prenup and they want to do some sort of arrangement now, then they can consider doing postnups as well. Um, sometimes there may be a distinction between whether it should be a league, uh, deed of separation or a postnuptial because they're very similar in terms of them being drawn out after the, um, the marriage, uh, also sorting out what would happen in terms of um, in the unfortunate event of a divorce. But for deed of separation, the couple would have experienced perhaps some rocky situation in their marriage and they might be considering uh, separation. separation, whereas postnuptial, actually, um, theoretically, their relationship is still fine, but they just want to have some certainty. Yeah. Jocelyn, what are some sort of attitudes towards prenups? You mentioned just now it's getting more and more popular. Was it sort of um, frowned upon uh, back in the day? I mean, what are some of the attitudes towards it? Well, I, I would say um, back 15 years ago when I st- first started practicing, I have n- not one single case of prenuptial agreements. It has become popular after a very um, famous uh, case called Rackmacker in back in the UK, which was um, adopted in Hong Kong as well. And then people started considering. Um, I guess for the past five or so years, people it's getting quite popular and people's mindsets have changed, um, especially when the objective is coming from the parents. So it's act- for Chinese families, for example, it's very common where uh, before their son or daughter is going to get married, they obviously don't want to have their hard-earned assets or family businesses being shared with the in-law-to-be if they were to undergo a divorce. So they want their son to actually sign. So I've had meetings where... With the parents? Yeah, the well, parents are here. Rather than... Or even the parents have a first meeting with me to understand how their son's prenup should be drawn uh, up. And the son may come to me and say, oh, actually, I don't really want to, but my parents want me to sign this uh, before I can get married. That's so interesting. I, I have it wrong. I just assume that perhaps the older generation don't, don't want to talk about the possibility of a divorce because it's um, not not lucky, but then they're actually thinking ahead and protecting their their yeah. assets. Well, when there's so much money at stake, yeah. then it, it makes sense for them to want to have some measures in place, yeah. I guess. What sorts of advantages uh, do you see with, with prenups with, say, uh, the, these sorts of families? Well, first of all, definitely it avoids uncertainties uh, because you know for sure what's going to happen. And because it avoids uncertainties, so also the couples won't need to have to go through contested litigation, which is the prim- my primary job <laughs> is to go to court and, and fight contested uh, divorce battles over money. Because they're so drawn out that yeah. they cost a lot as exactly. well. Exactly. Yeah. The legal costs, the emotional um it's emotionally taxing the couples and it ultimately ruins the family. So I guess the biggest advantage is that it avoids people having to go to court to fight about how the finances should be arranged. Um, Also, although some people would think this is uh, probably um, uh, a difficult thing to to open up with their uh, couple, with their partner, but I think it's an advantage actually for couples to talk about finances before they get married. 
um, although it's it is awkward. It's Most people don't hard... want to talk about money, especially when you're going through the honeymoon period. You're planning a wedding, and it's romantic. You don't want to necessarily open up this topic, but. My view is that in order for you to truly understand uh, who you're about to marry, it is sensible to talk about finances, understand what that person's views are, values are, even understand what their finances situation are like. Because what if they have accumulated a lot of debts that you don't know about, or the reverse, right? So I think prenup actually opens up an opportunity for you to talk. Forces forces you to talk about finances, which you normally wouldn't. Absolutely. Um, uh, what about the the validity of prenups? You know, um, are prenups valid and all? How do they hold up in the courts? Yeah. Well, a lot of people um, think that prenups are useless because um, they've heard that prenups would not be enforced in court. However, that's a misunderstanding. Prenups are not a hundred percent binding in the sense that once you sign a prenup, you can't go to court and say, "Judge, don't need to consider anything. Just adopt the terms of this prenup." The so judge, it's not like a will. No, like- the judge still has a discretion. Ultimately, the judge has to look at whether or not the terms of the prenup is fair, um, considering the facts, and then consider whether to enforce the prenup. In order for a prenup to um, have its most effect, there has to be four requirements that um, the parties need to go uh, ensure to do. First, uh, both of them needs to have independent legal advice. Uh, so one lawyer can't represent two parties; they have to have their own Separate opportunity one. to seek their um, legal advice. Second, can is, it be the same lawyer? Cannot. Okay, so yeah. two different lawyers. Sure. Yeah, because sometimes you may not be that comfortable raising questions to the lawyer with when um, your uh, partner is there. And also the lawyer can only represent a person's interest rather than two oh, at the same time. Sure. It would be a conflict. Um, secondly, the prenup has to be signed uh, fairly early. So um, the consensus is about 28 days before the actual wedding so that there's no argument that there's pressure for you to sign. Because if you've sent out wedding invitations, booked the venue, etc., then it, it would be quite difficult for the person to say to no. I, yeah, 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 exactly. So there must not be any like pressure, undue influence, that sort of thing. Or duress, yes. Yeah. Um, thirdly, there should be financial disclosure. This is something which a lot of people um, have difficulty uh, accepting because they might not want to let the other person know what their financial situation is like. But if you don't disclose your finances, be it your assets and your income, then when the time comes, un- unfortunately, you have to divorce, the other person can say, well, I didn't know at the time that I'm signing away so much of my rights. I didn't know you have that amount of wealth. And therefore, I don't want to adopt the terms of the prenup. So it's actually to the person's interest to disclose as much as possible what he or she has. Um, and the fourth and final uh, requirement is that the terms of the prenup must be fair. So it can't be a situation where one party will be left with nothing to um, cover their needs. The court wants to make sure that at least the person's baseline needs are met. Okay. Uh, how do you prove that, you know, these assets were not disclosed? It's difficult to prove because they might say, well, I told you at the start, I've got 80 properties here. But then the other person c- could just say, well, you only told me one property. So how do you then go exactly. about that? Which is why it's, um, we would have a schedule in the prenuptial agreement listing out all the assets. So there's no ambiguity about what your understanding was ah, at the time. So it's all very black and white. Yeah. Okay. Can, can you then, Jocelyn, uh, over override a prenup? Can, can, can it be overturned? 
Um, yes, the court can choose not to adopt if you don't satisfy either of what I just uh, mentioned, the, requi- the basic requirements okay. for a prenuptial to have effect. Um, obviously, if the couple, I have a case where the couple signed a prenup and later on they signed a postnup saying they don't want to <laughs> yeah, go forward with what they agreed Agree uh, previously because at that time they were forced by their pa- respective parents to sign it and they don't, <laughs> oh. afterwards they don't really want to do that anymore. So it can be done if um, it's voluntary between the both parties. Do they then have to inform the parents who were involved in the first step? No, because it's between... Yeah, it's between the two of them. It's a contract between the two of them. The parents actually um, have no place. Yeah, okay. Um, now, I know when we talk about prenups, it's usually the assets and the financial uh, things, but can children or child custody uh, be part of the prenup? Is it common for people to include that sort of information? Uh, good question. Usually, uh people would want to include, but actually you can't really dictate or um, sign a contract on what would happen to the children's custody. First of all, the children usually are not born yet. (laughs) So it's hard to uh, determine what would happen to people like a child who is not born. Secondly, the court's paramount consideration is the children's um, best interest and their welfare. So even if the couple themselves uh, signed something back five, ten years ago, and right now it's not to the child's best interest to adopt it, the court will just ignore it. Um, so the contract does not take priority. It's the ch- children's paramount interest. And that's why um, it's quite pointless to, to say now what the child's custody would be. Um, but the couple, if they intend to have children, they should specify it in the contract, in the prenup, because um, for prenuptial contracts, sometimes when there's a significant ch- change in circumstance, it can also mean that it shouldn't be um, enforced. For instance, if the couple did not envisage having a children, they envisage that they're going to both carry on with their work for um, the duration of marriage. And then one of them, maybe the mother, decides to sacrifice her job and have children, be a homemaker. Now, that would change the initial intention of the prenup and also if it comes to um, the time of divorce, it may not be fair for the mother who has sacrificed her career to not share in anything. So if you do intend to have children, then you should specify in the prenup that there is this uh, possibility so that, again, there's no ambiguity that, oh, this was not what we um, envisaged at the time of signing. Okay, so even though it may not be valid, but it's just good to have it written down and have it sort of there in case you need to revisit again Mm. at a a later time. Um, What if somebody leaves Hong Kong, say you're in a marriage and then you drop a prenup and then things go wrong, turn uh, turn south, and and somebody leaves Hong Kong, will that prenup still be sort of valid or how? How might it work? Yeah, usually we would ask the couple if they have any intention of relocating in the near future, because if they um, intend to relocate somewhere else, we would suggest that they have um, a lawyer from that jurisdiction also check out the prenup, because um, the uh, where the prenup would be used would be where the couple eventually uh, divorce, and where they would divorce would be where they physically reside when the time comes. So even if they sign a prenup in Hong Kong, for instance, and then they move to the US and then lift the majority of their marriage over there in the US and they divorce there, then you need to make sure that 
that prenup is also valid in the U.S. So it may be that we work with lawyers in different jurisdictions, Singapore, U.S., Australia, just to ensure that this prenup that you're signing is valid in all of those jurisdictions. Mm. And also there would be a clause usually in the prenup to say that if we were to relocate, then we would seek advice in that jurisdiction and sign another postnup in that jurisdiction, again, for that double uh, lock effect. Okay. Um, are, out of curiosity, are prenups uh, valid in the US? They're quite big there. Yes, yes. Okay. Actually, uh, prenups uh, are, f- are valid and recognized in China, in the US, um, in other countries, but most common law jurisdictions, they are similar to Hong Kong. Okay. The court still retain some sort of power and discretion over whether or not to enforce a prenup. Whereas um, in China, for instance, it's actually fairly common for the courts to adopt all the terms. Okay. Um, is it, uh, um, okay, well, how much does a prenup kind of cost? Uh, can you give us a ballpark figure, Jocelyn? Yeah, well, usually, um, it would depend on the comp- uh, how complex the finances are um, and whether or not there are any negotiations between the uh, two parties. Uh, but for a simple prenup, I would say it can cost anything from uh, 10000 to 30000 Okay. Uh, we do have a comment on Facebook. Uh, do get in touch if you want to. Uh, we're, chas- uh, we're chatting with Jocelyn Cho uh, this morning about prenups. Uh, Tommy on the Facebook page says, doesn't a prenup sort of burst the fantasy bubble of Till death do us part. Isn't it a little too hard-headed for two people supposedly in love? I can just imagine asking a fiancé for a prenup uh, turning into a deal-breaker as far as the whole marriage goes. Uh, What about that point that, you know, does it serve as a red flag for for certain people? That's actually the main reason why a lot of people find it difficult to uh, go around signing a prenup because it's... um, unless both parties want the same thing. Otherwise, it's quite difficult to open up this topic. Um, But in a world where um, the rate of divorce is um, the same as, if not more than the rate of marriages... One in three, I think we were talking during the pandemic. Yeah, Yeah. it would be sensible to talk about these things and to sign a prenup. And the way of selling it can be that um, you've seen how divorce litigation can get really ugly... You've seen it in Johnny Depp case, <laughs> like oh, Depp and Amber Heard, like yeah. so many celebrity divorces. We don't want to end like this. Um, I've also had friends, for instance, you can say I've also had friends who've gone through contested litigation, um, ultimately ruining their relationship forever, especially if they're still parents. Therefore, it makes sense for us to have some sort of certainty while we can have control over our own um, destiny, so to speak, financial yeah. destiny. Very persuasive indeed, <laughs> Jocelyn. Uh, well, thank you so much for your time this morning. I really enjoyed chatting with you. And thank you very much indeed, Tommy, for, for your comment on Facebook. And this morning, uh, we're chatting with Jocelyn Cho, who's a lawyer specializing in divorce litigation and matrimonial law. Uh, she's also a partner at the Weathers Law Firm here in Hong Kong. Thank you very much indeed. Thanks, Noreen.